This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to Sports Bar Radio. It's your Monday edition. Good afternoon, or maybe even good evening if you're listening to this on your commute home. I hope this show finds you well. Today we go a little Canuck heavy. I've got Rob Simpson of Van Hockey Now who's going to join me. I had him on a couple of weeks ago and got a lot of really good feedback. So I said, if you're available, let's get together. He says, absolutely. So without any further ado, let me get you to that one person who rises above the rest. Let me get you to today's headliner. The game heads to the break, and just as you get ready to call the waitress over for your next round, the lights go down, the music stops, and the DJ looks around like the power just went out. Suddenly, a spotlight shines to the front of the bar, and the door is open. No way! The headliner has arrived. Well, I think we should make this a regular thing. We got such good feedback last time that there's no reason not to welcome back uh, Rob Simpson into the fold. Robert, how are you today? I'm pretty good, Robert. I have to be honest with you. I can talk about anything else in this city and get decent traction. I talk about the Canucks and the numbers skyrocket. It is what it is. So you are fresh off the conference call with one. Uh, uh, Who do we have today? We had Travis Green. We had Brock Besser. Who else came to the party today? Niels Hoaglander. Let's start with Brock Besser because obviously he was injured to start the season. The reports earlier is that Buffalo was going to be the preferred destination to kind of wean him into the season. Is that still the case? They wouldn't confirm that he's playing tomorrow. He wouldn't confirm. Coach said he's hopeful that uh, Brock will get a chance. And it's sounding like the old groin injury from the Cheers episode. He has a history of that kind of a lower body nagging thing going on. And and, uh, he's also at a backfield, but I don't think that's it. But that type of speculation doesn't matter. Let's just put it this way. It wasn't an acute injury from somebody chopping him or something. It happened at practice and he aggravated something. So it's just a matter, as uh, Coach Green said, a progression, you know, skate on your own, skate at morning skate, and now a chance to have a full practice today monday with hopes of playing on tuesday but not guaranteed besser with the injury never had a full season then you get him for a full season last year quote unquote and he ends up putting up some pretty big numbers career highs but then you saw Elias Pettersson with the injury so you never have had everybody on the same page at the same time be very curious to know what this team looks like when they're at a hundred percent firing on all cylinders no Absolutely. And and we're starting to see a little bit of kind of the depth playing out. In fact, I just asked at the end of the conversation, I asked Besser about as you're sitting watching your teammates for three games, which, you know, for him kind of sucks. But I said, well, you know, pleasantly surprised, surprised. Like, what, do you, what have you thought? And he said, you know, the depth jumps out um, like he's stoked about all the forward depth. He's stoked about OEL, Oliver Ekman Larson being added to the back end, who's been very, very good. I mean, a very short sample. To the point up front where it looks like JT Miller, based on what they showed at practice in Detroit, they stayed in Detroit, by the way, for an extra day and a half to practice, and they'll go to Buffalo today and then play Tuesday. They had Miller back at center on the third line. So, I mean, if you got Bo Horvat, Pedersen, Miller as your three centermen, that's pretty damn good. And it, it, it enables you to slot Hoaglander and Besser on a line with Pedersen. Pretty good firepower, and if the D holds up and Larson keeps playing and is, is reborn here in Vancouver, it's uh, looking like a pretty solid lineup. 
I think when you choose Detroit over Buffalo, it's really like pick your poison. <laughs> As a guy that's been to both, I can say uh, neither is exactly yeah. the hub you want to stay in for too, I too mean, long. They both have their positive attributes. You just have to dig. You just have to dig a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm very familiar with. I'm very familiar with both places. But I look now at the word that you used, which is depth. And depth is a is a dangerous word to hang your hat on because the reality is is one injury changes all of that. Which guy right now is the X factor for this Vancouver Canuck team? Some people would say it's Bo Horvat. Some people say it's Elias Pettersson. But when you think of taking pressure off of those guys, and we'll worry about the back end in a second, is Connor Garland quickly becoming the X factor for this Vancouver Canuck team? We, we used to think it was JT Miller, the experience, the hustle, all the stuff that he brought to the table. But this fan base has immediately sensed that Connor Garland brings a lot to the table that can take a little pressure off of the rest of the guys that have had that on their shoulders for years. Oh, absolutely. And, I'll, and in terms of key guys, pivot guys, if something were to go wrong or happens to them, there's no question. If you start on the back end, it's it's Oliver ekman Larson. simply put. Up front, I'm going to go with the two names you mentioned. I think in terms of losing a guy... JT Miller, because of his versatility, we just talked about him playing center and also playing wing in the top six, remains, and you said his name first, remains a pivotal guy that way because of his versatility and his strength. But yeah, Connor Garland, I just wrote a piece about him and OEL, the two uh, Arizona Coyote expatriates who I referred to as leaving hockey purgatory to come to get a, <laughs> get a fresh start in Vancouver. Connor Garland does not allow the team to take a break emotionally, psychologically. That's the thing that's really jumped out in the first three games. He is the, as I referred to him, a water bug, energizer, bunny, and shift disturber. Have to put that F in there. Shift mm -hmm. disturber, all of those things. I, I mean, if, if you ever felt there was gonna be a lull, like if, if, if the team goes flat, even if it's fist for like a three minute stretch of a game, once he's back on the ice, forget it. It, it, it's just like they're back at it like he, he's he's digging he's going he, he's not going to let the team kind of go flat is there a player from you know any era that you could compare Connor Garland to like who's that guy maybe even from like five years ago ten years ago who fans could maybe relate to and say oh that guy reminds me of blank well you know who he likes to compare himself to and it's more of a contemporary guy and he's a Boston area South Shore guy Garland is he likes to talk about Brad Marchand. He brought him up twice during camp. They're both small stature, both pains in the asses, both talented. Marchand has a higher end talent offensively, but um, Garland likes, like, likes to mention his name. I think of the Tutu brothers, Jordan and his late brother, Terry, who played, I think it was Terrence, who played in the minor leagues. Um, I saw the younger two to play, unfortunately, ended up taking his own life. This was a guy, and obviously there's NH, other NHL examples through the decades. Dennis Polanich, uh, I mean, you can go through a long list. But this was a guy who would go 150% and pick his team up and never never let you lull. Um, you probably could run through in your years as a Vancouver Canucks fan, some of the guys. Alex Burroughs used to be a pain yeah. in the rear. I mean, his name first comes to mind. Stan Schmiel, go back a little further, did everything and worked, 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 worked every shift. There's another example of a Canuck that's going back 
most of the people weren't born. <laughs> and, and you born know what's yet. funny is Burroughs and Smeal are revered in this city for right. that. They brought their for lunch that. pails, underdogs in certain regards. I can see Connor Garland. The problem here is I want him to turn into Alex Burroughs and not Jeff Cowan. Jeff Cowan's <laughs> a guy that, you know, caught lightning in a bottle for a couple of weeks. And I think you look at the contract at Garland, and obviously he's going to be here for a while, but it's amazing to me how quickly the city's fallen in love with him. So it depends how far you want to go back, Rob. Like, I mean, Kenny Linsman type players, um, Pat Verbeek type players, just guys who get under your skin, but and, and just don't ever seem to take a break. You don't see Brad Marchant and Boston take a break very often, and that's no. important. And neither does Patrice Bergeron. If people wonder why that team's always good, there's two good reasons work ethic. Let's talk about another guy that I think the fans are wanting to fall in love with, and I think it's going to take a little time before he shows what he's truly capable of, and that's Vasily Podkolzin. Because you think of everything that Nils Hoaglander was last year, just this Energizer bunny that came out. There's another guy that's got some pepper in his pants, but you think of Podkolzin, you saw what he did at the World Championships, and you think, boy, if this guy can be everything that he's been hyped up to be, this is another guy that could be an X-Factor, but... Sometimes you can't put all those eggs in those baskets too quickly, right? Because a guy like Pod Colson, with that skill set and with that brawn, it could take him a full season because the ice size, I mean, there's so many variables here that I think he's still learning. I mean, that's fine. And, you know, and this is a guy who was t the 10th overall pick two years ago. He played with men in St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg in the KHL with SKA for two full seasons, caught a little bit at the end of the previous season, but he's played with men. He's 20 years old. Of course, it's not going to be instantaneous. But the one thing, and you mentioned his size, he's he's about 6'1", I guess. He will deliver the hits. Like, he's, he kind of hangs around scrums and such and doesn't seem to want to get involved like that. He's not, like, going to be nasty and pokey and pesty. But he will lay the lumber uh, on occasion as well, of course, bring a lot of high-end talent. So I think there's a lot to this guy. And you just said it best. There is obviously an adjustment period, and um, it's going to be fun to watch him get through that. We are so pessimistic in Vancouver. I mean, it's been 50-plus years of shoulda, coulda, woulda, and never got over the hump. Three Stanley Cup final appearances, no banners with championships hanging from the arena that we call home. You look at this team, and I know that we've hammered Jim Benning for the way that he's managed the cap, and we know that this is a team that could have been constructed a little bit different. But in a weird kind of way, I feel like he covered up a lot of his blemishes this year. It's a pretty good team. There's not a ton of space available, but with what he's got, it should be competitive in the Pacific, no? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, they might be even more competitive than I gave him credit for. Like I was thinking, you and I were talking, I think a week ago about, okay, if they finish fourth in the division, they also have to beat out four teams in the Central in the wild card. If they finish third in the division, they're automatically in. And I just basically had them in at fourth because I figured they kind of, a, I hate to presume, but if they finish in that slot, they should beat out the, the other four teams in the central in terms of total points as well. But they might be better than that based on this roster. You know, it's funny to look at though, and we, we were warned about this with all the young guys making so much money, the middle class is vanishing. It is high end. You've got heavy numbers at the top. Pedersen at seven plus, Horvat, Miller, Connor Garland's making almost five million bucks. The Canucks actually have five players active on the roster that are traveling with the team, playing hockey at the NHL minimum. And then there's two more under a million 
So that's seven guys under a million, close to the minimum, two kind of in the middle class, and then the rest top heavy. And you're starting to see more of that with guys, super talents coming out of their entry levels and, and making big bucks, like signing for big, big dollars, like Charlie McAvoy, who actually wasn't coming out, in his case, wasn't coming out of his entry level. He'd already had a three-year bridge deal. But the point is, it's how you load up. It's, it's, it's finding the right guys to slot into those five or six bottom salary spots because you're just trying to get guys in that can play that, so that you can get under the cap. Ultimately, those five or six guys are the key for how successful the Vancouver Canucks are going to be. Okay, so here's a question based on that because I think you're you're absolutely right, but let's add to this. Does that put more pressure on a scouting department when it comes to draft day to make sure that you can get a guy that within two years is playing on your club on his entry level? Because you look at a mistake like Oliu Levy, and I think now we can call that a mistake, obviously, and just that's a spot that the Canucks had needed. It's more depth on the blue line. But then all of a sudden you look at a guy like Pedersen or you look at a guy that's been able to shoot through like a, a Hoaglander and all of a sudden you can pencil in this guy with your major league roster, your parent club, if you will, who's on an entry level deal, who takes pressure off, but yet can still compete at the NHL level. So gone are the days of tucking these guys away in the minors for, you know, three, four years. Now you got to try and get them up because you need to have a guy that's on a entry level deal so that you can balance those worlds. Right. Get a lot of productivity out of your cheap guys. But right now in the Canucks case, the entry levels have come to an end, which is actually kind of a good thing, too, because if, if you can get through, though, I mean, obviously, Jack Rathbone might turn into something special and he's costing about 900 grand. But otherwise, your, your stars, quote unquote, stars are through their entry levels on this team. Vasily Podkolzin's got, you know, we'll see what happens with him. He's got three full years of entry level to go. Here's the little part of the family tree I want to look at in terms of what you just talked about. When they traded Olya Levy to Florida, one of the guys they bring back is Yuho Lamico, playing for the minimum, plugged right in. I don't think people expected this. Boom, here he is in the lineup. They wave Zach McEwen. McEwen gets picked up by the San Jose Sharks, mainly because Alex Chason on a PTO beats him out. Alex Chason was one of the extra forwards at practice on Monday. So you bumped a McEwen and kept the chase on who has a golden assist on the power play, but an even strength has not been very dynamic and hasn't really kept up. So that's a really an interesting spot in the lineup. The positive is, holy moly, they have enough depth where, eh, you know, they can play with it and get away with it. The bad thing is, well, you've waived a couple of guys, you've made a big trade and you know, you're, you've plugged in a couple bodies and we're, and we're moved a couple bodies around already and we're only three games into the season. Be curious to know if Chasen makes this team or at least gets some games in if he doesn't find his way to the power play. It was actually one of his bright spots with the Oilers is the fact that he could actually find the back of the net, which is something the Canucks have always kind of stumbled around with, at least in the last couple of seasons. Let's talk briefly about starting the season with six straight games on the road. Blessing or a curse? I don't have a problem with it at all. And in fact, I've traveled with NHL teams and made long trips early in a season and they all kind of chime into the same. In fact, I asked that question to believe it was greener at the opening press conference of the entire training camp. And I said, I'm going to get ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Talk about having the opportunity to open on the road, particularly when you have a bunch of new guys, it's nice to get out there, bond, be away from families, be away from distractions. I'm not saying families are a distraction, but 
full dedication to the club, full dedication to your teammates, hanging out, getting to know each other. This roster has flipped. Great opportunity to do that, especially if you can pick up some wins along the way. Like if they, my prediction was three, two, and one for this road trip before it started. Right now they're one, one, and one. So they got to go two and one to go the rest. If they come back three, two, and one, they're pretty damn happy. And they're a group of guys who've gotten to know each other. It's the longest season opening trip in franchise history. But I think given the situation with the roster, I don't think they mind a bit. It's not horribly grueling. They're just coming off two, you know, a couple days off, practice, played them around night in Buffalo. And then they just work their way west, Buffalo, Chicago. And then they're in Seattle for the Kraken's franchise opener, which is just down the road. I think they're digging it. I looked at the schedule and I said, man, there's a bunch of trip wires there as you're walking through the forest. I mean, you look at Detroit and a fan would say, oh, that's two points right there. And then you look at Chicago and you look at all these Buffalo teams, but Buffalo hasn't lost yet this season. And, you know, there's a little revitalization going on in Chicago right now, despite the fact that they don't have any goaltending and they haven't won yet. They're still a feisty bunch. And then the Kraken who we're going to get to know really, really well just because of the sheer geography. They might not be Golden Knights good out of the shoot, but they're not an easy out. Of course not. I mean, there's no predicting it. And we, we've talked about it. Like, you know, William Carlson, 43 goals in the first season for Vegas. We don't know what these guys are going to do. Like, because you don't know what a guy's going to do when he's been given an opportunity. And a lot of these guys are going to see ice time that they've never seen before. So how do you predict that? How do I know if we give Rob Fay a three-hour talk show on NBC? Like we don't know. We don't know. It's an opportunity. <laughs> it's an opportunity for him. Just to tag a couple of things. Your chase on comment. Yes. It's not for the power play. Is not here. That's my conclusion on that topic. That's fair. Yeah, Seattle. It's going to be a great rivalry. I had a conversation with the longtime NBC sports play-by-play guy and now the voice of the Kraken, John Forslund, a couple weeks ago. On Vancouver Hockey Now, we recorded a little ditty. They're jacked. I mean, so are the Canucks. So is the league. you kind of been out here in the corner of the world with a rivalry with Alberta and definitely a rivalry with the Chicago Blackhawks for a while. Now you've got this little little brother down the street. This is fun. This is going to be cool. I'm looking forward to that on Saturday. I'm going to head down there. So I got hammered for saying this, but I said the Kraken could care less about Vancouver. They'd be focused more on Las Vegas because their expansion, I don't want to call them immediate expansion brothers. Like it's not like the Mariners and the Blue Jays both coming in in 1977 to stretch this to baseball. But I've often looked at the Seattle market and a lot of people in Vancouver don't like me for saying this, but I say they care more about what's happening in Portland and south of the border than they do what happens in Vancouver. But then people will say, you know, that might apply to any other sport but hockey will get their attention and they'll get our attention as well. I, you're right. It's going to be a great meeting. What would it take? Because it never really clicked in basketball when the Grizzlies and the Sonics were here because they were just on two different tiers. The Grizzlies were that friggin' bad. Yeah. But for hockey, what will it take? One big hit, one upset victory? Would it take the Kraken to win at home to all of a sudden spice it up? I guess they just need something that finally puts them together. Yeah, it'll happen. It's just going to happen. But it'll happen over the course of time, but I think it'll happen in season one. If they win that fir- first game, Canucks fans are going to be like, oh, no, here we go. Like, it, <laughs> it's just going to be A, annoying, B, nerve-wracking, C, hey, they're in, divi- they're in the division, and this is this is a playoffs, you know, this is a playoff race. You know, we don't know where that's headed, but the key is who's going to come up with the cute term for it? You got islands, you got mountains, you got Pacific Northwest, you've got 
all these different terms you can use for the rivalry. You know, there's the Battle of Alberta, the Battle of Ontario. What is what is this going to be? The Battle of what? The Battle of, of, of the spruce trees? You got a whale and a octopus. A sea monster and a whale. Yeah, you can't so, ask me that on a Monday. I need some time to think about I know, this. I'm a little but groggy. it is kind of cool. And I, but I think it'll be. <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to be heated. I think it's they're going to the I five. Although the, the highway changes names when you cross the border, so that's no. You can't use that. Mm. I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting. But I we think got, it's going to be a, an intense rivalry. We got work to do. You know what? I'll tweet that out today. I'll be like, "What should that rivalry be called?" And and we'll circle back on this in a week, and we'll see what the fans came back with. Uh, Robert, one more for you, and this is off the ice. Uh, report coming out over the weekend that Jim Benning's son was assaulted outside of a nightclub. And we don't have a lot of the particulars, but any time that there's a connection to a, an executive or an athlete or something like that, obviously it grabs the attention of the media. I know that Jim Benning's kind of been chastised in this market, especially over the last couple of years, even to the point where somebody hired a guy to fly a fire Benning sign up in the sky. But moments like this kind of humanize Jim Benning, do they not? I mean, obviously we hope for, you know, a speedy recovery for his son, but you look at this moment from a, a fan's perspective and even the most hated Benning, you know, haters out there probably have to step back and say, man, you only hope that those four who assaulted that young man didn't make the connection between who he was and who the Canucks GM is. Like you said, ultimately it's about a speedy, full clean recovery and that they catch the assailants those are the two prevailing concepts but i don't know i mean that would seem like a stretch to me i mean would they really say oh wait doesn't that look like jim benning like because they'd have to they wouldn't know the guy they wouldn't know the kid would they otherwise unless they said oh look at the strong resemblance that that part of it seems pretty impossible to me but who knows i mean who knows anything is possible truth is stranger than fiction in this case, it's the, it's actually a family member who social media did out there and mm-hmm. said, this happened. It's not like the media was digging into anything ugly or going out of their way to do something. The daughter actually sent this out there. Again, recover, that would be great. Catch them, that would be great. Hopefully there is no connection. This is just a random thing. Well, as a guy that bartended in that area for more than a decade i can assure you there were plenty of fights where people didn't have any indication who the other person was it was just wrong place wrong time and uh, hopefully that's where it stops robert you said you're going to be down in seattle for the weekend i hope you get some clam chowder and i hope you come back with two points for the canucks Ooh, pressure (laughs) i'll see what i can do well make sure you stop by let's make this a regular occurrence we should do this every monday Let's get together. I mean, you've done so much with Vancouver Hockey now. We both work under the guru. I think this is a a match made in heaven, if you will. Absolutely. And you with the wrestling and the guru is kicking ass with uh, (laughs) the markets have been a little slow for the guru. You know, it's been kind of a quiet investment year for a lot of people with the COVID. But it sure is seeming to be going through a resurgence right now. And a lot of it has to do with the guru talking about stuff and kicking ass, making solid analysis i look at it like this i love it every time i see one of his tweets where he's like i told you (laughs) (laughs) i know you could have made this much money yeah yeah well it could be but nah you know what he worked hard we're speaking both of course of chris perry who's the uh the founder of equity guru who sponsors this fine show and and new wrestling and rob simpson's got a connection to him as well actually can i throw one more at you about another one of our colleagues who i know you're good friends with 
Yeah. Jody Vance came out. This has nothing to do with hockey, but it is a right. media, I guess, question. She came out and finally announced that she had been, I guess somebody had been following around online for years and just absolutely taking way more liberties than they should with Jody Vance. And you know what? I, I, I sat back and I almost felt really sad because I'm like, man, if I'd have known this, I would have offered out. But she's so strong and she's so professional that you didn't even know this was happening. But it is such a travesty to me that in this day and age, female broadcasters, reporters, leaders in our community have to go through this shit, man. Like it just sits. I, I just couldn't believe reading through the paper on the weekend that it went to this level. How can we support these ladies as they go through this? I think it, it it's almost our responsibility as men to share her story and say, listen, man, guys, enough is enough here. Well, that's it. That's it. Exactly. Rob, you just said it. You got to You got to share the stories. And I think she had two of them. She had the one that's referred to that yep. the cops finally put her in a, a restraining order or arrested the guy. And I think she's mentioned, referred to a second one that lasted earlier in her career for a while. It was, you know, A, it's share it and B, it's shame it. You know what I mean? These guys deserve to be outed, whatever, arrested. They deserve to be embarrassed. They deserve to be shamed. They deserve to be whatever, you know, whatever you can think of. But yeah, I think sharing is the word there, Rob. You said it. Yeah. Um, it just get it out there because... And it's funny because you see, like, even the guys that jump in behind the camera when a woman's doing a live shot somewhere and then acts like a complete a-hole. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's that all the way up to, you know, years of following someone around. Like, it's scary. I, you're right. She's strong and she's professional and we'll do what we can to support her. Yeah, I was uh, I was both saddened and also impressed because, you know, I don't know if I could carry that around with me and let the authorities do their things. I'm not as professional as she would be. Robert, you're a pro as well. So make sure this week that everybody checks in. Uh, really quickly, want to talk about Hockey Wonderlust as well. What do you got working on the other side? Yeah, twice a week, international hockey newsletter, Hockey Wanderlust. You can actually go to hockeywanderlust.com. Um, this week was pretty mild. We just kind of did a real generic thing on the Champions League. We did a thing on, in fact, I might share an article on Vancouver Hockey Now, one of them, about kind of the nationality breakdown and talk of, you know, there's 109, there are 190 Americans on opening night compared to 164 last year. That's a pretty steep increase of Yanks. It's a and whole then, team. Yeah, heck, and then, and then, uh, I think 71 or 74 Swedes, they're actually also growing. Uh, but the percentage really didn't change. It's still about a 30% European league, which is amazing when you consider what it was 25 years ago. But I might do a little nationality, move one of those nationality articles over, but we cover a lot of cool stuff twice a week on there. I think it'd be really cool because now I'm looking at this article, you brought it up. I would be curious to know if fans could pick the top three countries because I didn't think Sweden was third. I mean, it's a dead giveaway. We can't ask this now. I would have thought that surely it would have been Russia. Russia's only got 37 NHL players. Yeah. That's a little surprising to me. Yeah, I, I, get, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with the KHL. I'm not sure. But I would have thought it would have been Canada, U.S., and Russia. But not the case. It has something to do with the KHL because of all those leagues, they pay the biggest contracts. There's a lot of... Mm -hmm kind of money going <laughs> floating around the cage. <laughs> like they manage to pay contracts like in ways that are, are less, let's say, structured uh, than the National Hockey League is. There's a lot of companies involved and oligarchs involved and, you know, teams magically keep rot and they can offer up money. Let's put it that way. So they keep some of their countrymen there. Also, it's the only country that does not have 
an exchange agreement with the National Hockey League. Yeah, the finders fees, uh, that type of thing. The NHL shells out tens of millions of dollars a year to the hockey federations in Europe because they're taking their players away. They do not have that agreement with Russia. It's a little bit of the Wild West. Yeah. 22 countries represented on opening night rosters. I only learned that because I went to Hockey Wonderlust and uh, found that out myself. Inclu including Uzbekistan. Yes. Don't forget Uzbekistan. Yeah, well, no, I'll, and the UK. Finally, somebody from the UK breaks through. Yeah. So. All right, Robert, let's do this again. Thank you so much for your time today. And if we could do this weekly, I think our listeners would be better for it. Let's talk I'd love soon. It. I'd love it. Thank you, Robert. There he is, Rob Simpson of Vancouver Hockey Now. Caught up with him just minutes after the Travis Green presser today. So you are as up to date as anybody else in the world of the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, again, my thanks to Rob Simpson, who's got a really cool background. If you think about it, he's worked at Madison Square Gardens. He's worked uh, in Boston. He's worked in some of the biggest markets in the National Hockey League and has brought his talents to Vancouver. I feel like you need to follow him. Simmer Puck is where you can find him on Twitter. That is S-I-M-M-E-R Puck. And he also does Vancouver Hockey Now or Van Hockey Now. If you want to follow his articles, and boy, two to three every day, all focusing on the Vancouver Canucks. All right, I want to say thanks to everybody with Equity Guru. My thanks to Chris Perry, who is on vacation back east in La Belle Provence. I want to say thanks to everybody over there, including Galen and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. And my thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another mother, producer extraordinaire, for putting this show together. We will be back tomorrow. Look forward to having a conversation with you then. This has been Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fay. Let me talk to you in less than 24 hours from now. Have yourself a great afternoon. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.